Are you trying to figure out how your company will journey and profit from consumers across connected devices? Come to the Multiscreen Summit in New York on June 11th and 12th and learn how from over 50 speakers. Use coupon code LBMA025 for your 25% discount now at www.thescreensummit.com. Build compelling real-time apps quickly and scale them globally with the PubNub real-time network. Only PubNub delivers the core building blocks needed for any real-time application. Find out for yourself by signing up for free today. Visit PubNub.com. Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing, the most trusted podcast dedicated to the new business of location. Hello, everybody, and welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing. This is episode number 132. We're recording this live between Asif Khan and myself. That's early Sunday morning, June 2nd, 2013. My name, Rob Woodbridge from Tether.tv, located in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. With me, as always, in every single episode, without fail, whether you're in Toronto or across the country, this time live from TO. Take it away. It's Asif Khan from the Location-Based Marketing Association. Welcome back to Canadian Soil, Asif. Uh, I think that you probably spent in the last week more time in airplanes than you did on the land, either you know in Spain or uh, in Canada. How was your trip, man? Uh, well, I, I think you hit it right there. I mean, I, I definitely spent a lot of time on planes. Um, but uh, the conference uh, in Spain, the Solo Mo Summit, was uh, awesome. Uh, almost 200 people out for this thing. A lot of great big brands and agencies from Hyundai to Toyota to L'Oreal to, you know, Havas, uh, you know, the big agency groups to, you know, some interesting uh, tech uh, companies as well. Uh, there was uh, Fish Technologies uh, which is an interesting um, uh, you know, data uh, company that's, uh, that's doing a lot of work in location. There's a new company that we'll be talking about in a few weeks probably on the show called TapTap Tap Networks, which is uh, an in-store uh, um, type of solution coming out of Spain. Uh, so, so there's a lot of stuff going on there. It was, it was great to see that, uh, that uh, the market there is, is progressing and that uh, the brands are excited and interested about it. I mean, there, there was people there from uh, a lot of retailers as well, like companies like um, uh, Mango and, and, you know, like big fashion retailers that you would expect uh, over there in Spain. So, What was that? Any key takeaways from that thing? That did, you, did you find anything that was surprising other than the fact that there were 200 people there that they managed to grab the right people? I mean, was there anything that one big trend that you saw coming out of that? No, I wouldn't say there was a big trend. What I would Damn. say is, is that, um, yeah, uh, I would say that I think there's, uh, it, it's kind of like how I was looking at Canada, uh, you know, two years ago in some ways. You know, there was uh, two years ago we were we were out there. We were talking about location-based marketing. Nobody was doing anything yet, uh, but there was an excitement and there was a hunger for information. That's what I saw in Spain this this week was, you know, all these brands and, and, and retailers coming out because they want to do it, uh, but they don't know yet and they haven't done yet. Um, and so, uh, you know, so that's why they were all there. They were all there to kind of figure it out and, and move from there. And and for me, that's that's a good sign. I expect from the LVMA's perspective, you know, we will be in that market shortly. 
to kind of leverage that uh, that desire and that that willingness from from the the brands and agencies to to actually do stuff so oh that's good i i suppose i, I mean it, it just shows you like everywhere the lights are coming on for this this kind of stuff and uh you know i'm desperate to get uh, tomia honan on who uh, who's written this article about that, that that location is not important it is not the the um I, I don't know, the epicenter of mobile is not the epicenter of marketing. It's not the epicenter of retail and everything that we've been talking about, that convergence. Um, I think he's missed a few points, key points in, in his assessment. But, it, you know, you can't argue with the momentum that this is getting. It may have taken a long time to get there, but uh, but you're seeing it around the world. And I, I don't think that it's yeah. materialized yet uh, to its full extent and certainly not in North America. But uh, very interesting. So this week coming up, we've got uh, you've got another event. You're going to be where? You're going to be in California this week at the uh, Street Fight Summit. Yeah, I'm actually flying out tomorrow. Uh, I'm uh, I'm in uh, in for a very short portion of the Street Fight Summit. But uh, yeah, uh, you know these guys put on uh, Street Fight uh, puts on you know two great events: uh, East Coast, West Coast, uh, New York, uh, San Francisco. Uh, pulling together the community, uh, a lot of uh, the focus there is on um, the media side uh, of, of the world. So you know the, the publishing, the big media giants, you know the AOLs, the patches, you know all that kind of stuff. Um, you know and, and and you know local search and, and all of that. So so uh, you, you know a, a great uh, a great collection of people will be out there for that. Uh, as I said, uh, unfortunately I can't stay for the whole thing because I got to get from there to Chicago for. A uh, an event that's uh, being put on by Shopper Track, which is another one of uh, companies that we work with um, uh, around in-store, you know, shopper tracking, uh, and so that's happening in Chicago this week as well. So there's plenty going on, um, but uh, yeah, it's it's exciting times. And then of course there's the multi-screen summit uh, the week after uh, in New York, uh, which we've been talking about for a few weeks, and. Uh, you know, just a phenomenal lineup of speakers uh, that are associated with that, and I'm, ha you know, my my specific part of it. Uh, I'm doing a uh, fireside chat uh, piece with Google, but uh, we just added uh, this week uh, Paul Marsh, who's uh, one of the directors over at the New York Jets, uh, is going to be joining me for that chat as well. So I'm interested to hear about uh, what they've been doing. It's very important that we support events like this. So. You have seen this at the very beginning of, of the last couple of podcasts, which were supporting the Multiscreen Summit in New York. If you want a huge discount, greater than the 25% that the LBMA that we've been pr promoting, we want you to be there. So when you see this podcast being pushed out through Twitter, retweet it with the hashtag TWILBM, TWILBM, this week in location-based marketing, um, and we will send you a huge discount for that conference that will blow your mind. Get ready for that. Whenever you see it, whenever you retweet it, we will send you the discount only for you, the loyal listener. We think that it should be important that you get out there to this thing for the level of speakers that they got. It's, incre it's incredible. So that uh, that will come uh, this week. So please support these guys, support the event, support our good friend Gary and Asif as they build this out. Why don't we jump into the stories? Uh, we'll start with with the uh, with our app of the week, this is something that uh, we both we both find a very interesting. It's a very niche market. Let's talk about MyFinder. Yeah, so MyFinder is a uh, it's an iPhone app, uh, location based app for disabled and diverse communities uh, is is what it's being built at. So this is an app about you know connecting with other uh, folks around you who may be suffering from uh, similar disabilities. Uh, you know, so so it's a social network. It's about finding people near you. You know, maybe setting up uh, dates, uh, getting social support in real time, 
Um, and it, and it's, it could be uh, by ethnic group, it could be uh, by, you know, physical disability, um, religious affiliations. I mean, it's, it, it's a whole mix of things here. But, but it, it, it's, it, it's, a, it's a very focused application around, you know, uh, finding specific communities um, uh, of diversity uh, uh, that are based on your location. And so, you, you know, it, it's like Facebook in some ways. You set up your profile, you upload your photo, you know, a little bit of text about yourself, all that kind of stuff. Um, and, then, and then, you know, based on that location, you can connect with other people around you and, and kind of set up uh, opportunities to, to connect in the real world. Well, I, I like this because it's a, it's niched, right? You know, there's a there's a broad appeal for a lot of the other applications that are out there, and this really does kind of bring it down into a niche. And um, but ultimately, it ends up being. I, I think that this is just another feature of another of somebody else's product, mm. right? So you'll eventually be able to you know sort based on your preferences. And don't, doesn't that already happen for most most uh, relationship uh, applications? I would think. Yeah, I, I mean, I I don't know. I mean, I think it's. I can see certain groups, uh, you know, certain uh, communities, diverse yeah. communities, not wanting to jump on more traditional sort of dating, yeah. uh, location-based dating apps and things like that. Um, you know, so having something like this that's that's segmented and unique, you know, I, I think there's there's a market for it. Uh, I don't know how big that is, but but there's certainly a market for it. And by the way, this is uh, this is being launched in in the UK, so it's uh, it's uh, uh, created by a guy named. Gabriel Sacklin, I think is how you pronounce that. Um, so yeah, take a look at it. Yeah, myfinderapp.com, myfinderapp.com. You can have a uh, good look. That's M-I, not M-Y. So myfinderapp.com. And uh, it, you know, it's a it's an interesting it's an interesting niche play, and I think that that's what we're going to start to see is these segmentation of the markets down to. I would have liked to have seen this maybe uh, take a a larger niche of uh, similar type people and put that into an application so that it's very very specific. You know, I, I don't know if I like the the multiple niches in this one thing. So maybe maybe it's in a, a religious affiliation app where you know you you're looking for people in the same religion or to have conversations or social gatherings, yeah. or maybe it's about disabilities. Maybe it's similar disabilities um <clears throat> whatever it is i think that there's there's an opportunity here to have that kind of really really honed in niche instead of trying to uh have a, a bunch of niches because then you're a broad play like everybody else so um right. my, my finder app.com cool there i love go. it it shows you location has an implication on everything that we do and especially in relationships and uh and social gatherings all right, we have six very, very important stories to share with you, uh, and we're going to dive into this right away. Now, Asif, um, correct me if I'm wrong. It's been a while since I've done this, which is send anything by post, by the mail. But I, it was my impression that um, when I send something to somebody, like say I, I send you a package and it doesn't arrive at your house, or arrives at your house but you're not there, ultimately it ends up at a post office where I can then go pick it up. Am I correct? Uh, yes, I think I, so. I think so. I, I mean, it's been it's been a long time, <laughs> right? Uh, since since I've actually sent a sent an email or or, or sent sent a mail, and otherwise it'll just arrive in your inbox. So the the Royal Mail um, it, through the post office is offering this click and collect program in the UK, which tells you that if you order something online, it will store it in their location until you come and pick it up. Is is that the gist of this story? That that Royal Mail is actually offering this as a service? I thought that's what they already did. 
Yeah, I'm confused by this. Uh, you know, they're making a big, uh, big splash around this. That uh, you know, this click and collect. Um, you know, I, I mean, the the focus here is 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 on online retail. Uh, to be fair, so they're they're, they're targeting the, you know, the retail community, the e-commerce, uh, you know, vendors, and saying, hey, you know, order this thing online, and you know, you can pick it up at your local uh, post office uh, in the UK. Um, I'm with you. I thought this is what they already did as post offices today. I'm disappointed in in in, in stuff like this. It's uh, you know, where where's the mobile components? Where you know, where where's where's you know, where, yeah, where where's the tra package trackers? Where's all that stuff, right? I mean that you, you just expect today, right? Um, this this is for me, um, you know, uh, the Royal Mail trying to say, "Hey, we're still around." Um, you know, we're struggling. Um, I, I mean, they still deliver, I mean, the bulk of the mail in, in the UK. There's no question about it. But, you know, that's a declining market. And they're like, we've got all this real estate out here. Uh, so we're going to try and draw some attention to it by having, you know, packages delivered there that you can pick up. You know what? We, we had the same conversation going on here in Canada. The, 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 the same thing's happening. You know, the post, postal service is declining. Now we've got... Um, you know, not only postal, you know, post offices that you know are sitting on, on prime real estate in many cases, uh, where in, in some small towns, you, you know, it, it's like three people go there a week, and and you've got like full time staff there, you've got like all this kind of stuff. Like, it, it's 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 not what you know, it's not a good use of, of, of funds, and this is why these these guys are, are bleeding, right? So. You know, and then you know, in the same vein, you know, we've got, and we've had this conversation here here in in Canada as well, in Ontario, is you got all these these libraries, these public libraries, that nobody goes to either, right? Because it's not because people don't want to read; it's because they don't, you know, they're not going to a library and sitting down pulling off, you know, some book with like, you know. 30 millimeters of dust sitting on the jacket, you know, and, and breaking it open to sit down and, and read at the library. And so the libraries are sitting there going, well, you know, wh what do we, well, let's be a post office too, right? And <laughs> let's be a place where you can, you can collect your package, right? Like it's, it, it's looking for ways to um, drive traffic to a destination that shouldn't have traffic anymore. Yeah, you know, this is a friction, a point of friction, really, because we are. I mean, there's no doubt that post offices and the utility of post offices there. I mean, people still spend send mail, but in Canada alone, I mean, we're talking about a 300 to 400 million dollar loss. We've talked about this uh, for the post office, and and this is not something that's sustainable. But to do something like this, all they're offering is extended hours. So welcome to the 90s for extended hours. You know, so you can pick up your package at your convenience. What a novel approach. The one thing that I'm I'm struggling with is. They said that they're working with the e-tailers, uh, the retailers online, to integrate this within uh, the offering, the service offering for delivery. But it's already there. Like you choose your post service, right? Like I either want it by yeah. three-day delivery, express, or overnight, uh, and it and it works uh, with uh, the relative or the the couriers or, or the uh, the post guys, and it'll work with FedEx, it'll work with Purelater, and I guess that they're trying to do it with with uh, with the Royal Mail. But it's based of, for me. It's always going to be based on on my desire to have it and uh, the cost. And I'm going to balance those off. And apparently, this is it's not cheap to send anything by mail uh, by Royal Post overnight. Uh, but 
I think the the biggest the biggest challenge here is for them to actually uh, be competitive as a service, and and this is just not this is just not one of those things that I see um, is relevant anymore for this. I, I don't get it. I don't I don't understand why this is an announcement. Click to collect. Uh, they're like ten years behind. This may have been innovative ten years ago when e-commerce was emerging, but right now it's ridiculous, and this doesn't make any sense. This is just a, a an organization grasping for a business model. Yeah, I mean, and, we, and we've talked about the U.S. Postal Service and and, and and the Canadian one as well about doing things like, you know, putting uh, QR codes on on the on the on the stamps and you know doing all kinds of crazy things like that. That's you know at least you know trying to create you know new new streams of revenue, um, you know, leveraging mobile technology and other things. Uh, this is like, yeah, I'm with you, man. This is ten years. 10 years at least behind. So we're going to see a merging of the post offices and the libraries come together. Um, you know, I felt this way the exact same time when, when uh, you know, Canadian Tire started selling milk. You know, it's, it's, a, uh, it's a clear sign that as, as companies get into this space, which is diversifying and away from their core, uh, now out of necessity, probably because their market is eroding or their market share is eroding. But it's, it, it, to me, that's a slow and steady decline into obscurity and out of business um, when, when you start to grasp at straws like this. I, and I, I don't know how long, how much longer the post office can can hold out the way that the structure is right now. Um, I don't know, because if you're extending hours, you're extending wages, and that doesn't make any sense to us, uh, to me at this point. You know what? Just put a whole bunch of lock boxes on the outside with keys that are NFC enabled or RFID enabled or yeah. cell phone enabled, and uh, that's more value than you could ever provide to me by being. Well, and, and we've seen that. We've we talked about yeah. those guys. I forgot the name of the company now. Here, right, right here in Canada, the from yeah. Waterloo, the Google uh, Google yeah. Bot, um, and you know they're putting these boxes, uh, you know, in in grocery stores. They're putting these boxes in where in, people in, are in, in sub subway platforms and, and things like that. Yeah, you know. That that's what they should be doing. That's what the Royal Mail should be doing, it, right? It's but, the, it's it, absolutely. It's like if, if you if you know that every Saturday you're going to be at a at your grocery store, or every day you're going to pass by a box on the subway, uh, it makes sense to be where you are going to be. So have it delivered to that location, and it's done, right? Uh -huh. And then you have access to it instead of having to manage all of this. And it doesn't make any sense. So big thumbs up, ridiculous uh, for the Royal Mail. I, I don't get that. All right, now that we've destroyed that, let's talk about another story. Second story here, Asif. What is this? Location data. This is location data privacy guidelines. Yes. So this is coming from a group called the Location Forum, uh, their Privacy Council in particular. Uh, it's a group that you know we, we've intersected with uh, over the last couple of years, um, and, and they released some uh, data privacy guidelines. Uh, it's called the Location Data Privacy Guidelines Assessment and Recommendations. Um, you know, and, and I applaud the effort. I, I applaud, uh, the, you know, the, certainly the, the the need for uh, CIOs, CMOs, you know, for, for marketers to have some to have guidelines in this space. Um, understand that, um, you know, what the challenges are, and and, and you know what what the uh, the concerns of the consumer are, and, and all of that kind of stuff in terms of the you know the risk. Uh, and it's important to have guidelines. No question about it. What I'm what I'm uh, concerned about here is is that you know we develop a series of guidelines, and uh, and we're we're telling people that uh, that this is what uh, as as brands as marketers as CIOs that are building solutions in the marketplace that, uh, that you should be following, um, you know here they are, but it's not just here they are. You got to pay us to get them, um, like like so they're charging you a hundred dollars ninety nine dollars to get these guidelines. 
that they're recommending that the industry should adopt. Like, if they're guidelines that you want the industry to adopt, you just push them out there. Like, they, they're free, right? Are they not? Like, why are we charging money for this? I don't understand. Well, they're not guidelines um, so at that, that point. They're not that? If you charge for them, they're not guidelines. No. no. Right? It, it, it's, uh, yeah, I, I'm a little bit confused by this. And, and there's some great companies that are part of this location forum. I mean, DMTI Spatial, who we work with a lot, um, you know, uh, Nokia, you know, there, there's, there's some great companies that are part of this group um, that develop this guidelines. But, uh, I, I, you know, and I'm all for the guidelines. I mean, I, I did take a look at them, and, and I think there, there's, some, there's some, some, some good uh, merit to what they're doing here, but I don't understand why we're charging for it. No, that doesn't make any sense for me. But uh, you know, I think that the the I you know I'm mixed here because I do digital content, I create content, and I love the idea of charging for content. But but if I'm gonna if I'm gonna create guidelines, then listen, lay out the guidelines for free. Let everybody have those guidelines. Bring those in, and and uh, you know ultimately you can you can glean some more work as a result of releasing that for free. The ninety nine dollars is is a nuisance fee. It's like the ninety nine cent app. If if it's really really worth it, charge a thousand bucks. Or give it away for free. I, I mean, there's no $99 here. I mean, that's just a nuisance. It just says you're not confident that these are really good guidelines. Uh, so release the guidelines for free so that everybody can participate in that, can understand them. It's like the MMA releases guidelines for, you know, banner ad size in mobile, and um, which I think is ridiculous to begin with because banner ads don't belong in mobile. But um, focusing on the wrong thing. But uh, at least they, they release those guidelines for free. They push them out there so that you can have them. And, and uh, they're driving membership base. They're driving consulting. They're driving other ways to generate yeah. revenue. But this, this, I wish I could talk about the guidelines, but uh, it doesn't, there's, there's, no, there's no indication. And then when I register to download the, the um, executive summary, it just is basically the same as the press release. So now they got my email address, which angers me, especially when we're talking about this whole uh, privacy issue. Now they got my email address to give me the same thing that is available on the website. That, that it's like, it's like fail, 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 fail. Um, so I, I would like to make a recommendation to buy this or not, but I can't because I don't have the information that is required, and there's not enough that they've given yeah. me. So boohoo on you, right? Data, data yeah, privacy. Unfortunately. So, you know, all four guidelines, all, you know, all, you know, but uh, come on, guys, like, just make it available to well, people. Well, they call, they call it groundbreaking data privacy guidelines. Like, okay. If it's that groundbreaking, I guess I got to spend the 99 bucks. No. If it's groundbreaking, it's worth 1000 bucks. It's worth $10,000. If it's not groundbreaking, it's worth $99. This is a marketing yeah. challenge, and uh, you, you, you've really not done well with this, and that's uh, it's unfortunate. Uh, now, if you're still interested in doing this, if you're, you know, you can go and find them at the locationforum.org um, and spend the 99 bucks, and then you can come on and tell us whether it's worth the 99 bucks. But it, they're not getting a dime out of me. Hmm. There you go. Hmm. Hmm. Wow. Okay. So, uh, how about a uh, a good story here? Yes. We've talked about Blipper often on this, um, and uh, here's uh, the two Bs coming together. Budweiser and Blippar uh, for a um, uh, something called uh, Folds of Honor, which is a an altruistic thing that Budweiser does to raise. They've raised. A, they're donating a whole bunch of money to uh, to education for uh, families uh, who have been uh, either had somebody uh, who was killed in service or disabled in service. This is pretty cool. Uh, and then there's a the Blipper yeah, piece. This, this yes. Yeah, no, this is pretty awesome. First of all, uh, you know, uh, re really uh, happy to see companies like Budweiser stepping up to, uh, you know, to get involved in, in this kind of uh, charitable uh, initiative. Um, so they're donating um, 
1.5 billion. No, million. Oh, sorry, sorry, yeah. million. Did I read? Yes, 1.5 million. Yeah, not billion, sorry. <laughs> uh, 1.5 million um, uh, over the summer to this uh, campaign called Folds of Honor, which is uh, about uh, supporting families of soldiers killed or disabled in service. Um, and on the packaging of, of Budweiser uh, beer packages is is yeah, the obviously the Budweiser you know logo and 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 you know the various uh, symbols that they have there. And so Blipper, if for for those of you who've not listened to us before or not familiar with it, it's an it's an AR app, but it's focused on image recognition, you know, as opposed to a QR code or something like that. So you basically hold up the app and 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 view you know the Budweiser logo or something like that, and then it creates this. This uh, this call to action um, that uh, generates uh, content or unlocks you know some unique content. Uh, in this case, uh, it, it prompts you to verify your age. Uh, you pick what state you're in, um, and uh, and then it shows a leaderboard of which states have generated the most votes uh, for this uh, this folds of honor uh, campaign that are going on. And so the top ten states in the campaign. Uh, you know, are eligible to receive you know about a hundred thousand dollars in scholarship funds uh, for for next year out of this campaign. So, really cool use of the technology. Um, you know, and uh, you know, I, lo I love what Blipper is doing. Um, you know, they're always doing great campaigns. I mean, it, even in fact, in, at the conference I was at in Spain, um, the, um, the the guys there were uh, the Blipper. The Blipper team was uh, was was in full force there, talking about what uh, you know some of the work that they've done with. Um, you know, five uh, gum with Cadbury, with uh, you know all kinds of interesting campaigns and demoing stuff that they've done for uh, um, uh, the Dark Knight uh, movie campaign, and you know just some crazy, crazy stuff. Um, and just the, the 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 amount of visual uh, stimulation that they can create uh, and the uniqueness of it on a campaign by campaign basis is is really interesting to me. This this is a this is very what they've done here is is very cool. Is that um you know, it, it might be a touch uh, marketing uh, and uh, PR, but uh, but the idea that they've they've gone out and partnered with a small company called Blipar, uh, like Blipar, to to be able to um, help people have their say. They're not raising money; they've already donated the money. Now they're just helping people determine where that goes, um, and they're doing it uh, free of charge. I, 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 this is such a great social cause, and it's a great way to add something like augmented reality to extend the awareness and the brand from from the box and. And uh, this is image recognition at its best, isn't it, Asif? This is really simple. Um, I think there's always a challenge of adding a little bit of friction, which is, quite frankly, uh, having you to download an app in order to participate in this. So there, I always like to, I yep. like to have this a complimentary thing, which is like you can also send us a text message to this number with the state that you'd like, right? I think that there has to be that to, you know, all inclusive yes. nature. But I really like this, and and uh, I'm a big fan of what Blipper is doing, and uh, and this you know true impact of augmented reality this isn't like the hold up your phone and see what you know see things that aren't there this is really uh -huh. about uh about engagement and 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 the the data that they're going to collect from this is uh, unbelievable and uh so but i would like to see it a little bit more inclusive when it comes to maybe text messaging uh you know the same vote just so that it's not it's not constrained to smartphones because we know that yeah and, and i like the um you know, I like to believe with these kinds of things where the, you know, the, the message or, or, you know, the visualization that comes from it can be unique based on location, time of day, you know, all of that kind of stuff. It's not, you know, the same message for everybody necessarily, right? So for me, that, that, that uh, you know, that's one of the interesting things about this type of technology. And uh, yeah, as I said, like, we, we, we saw lots of examples of this in Spain. So um, uh, Rish Mitra, who's their uh, founder, one, one of the founder and CEO, um, 
he was out there. He gave a great presentation on this, uh, on amazing array of, of brands. And uh, Michaela, uh, who's uh, one of their uh, their marketing folks as well, was out there. And uh, so, kudos to to this company. Uh, they're small, but scrappy. they're like they're they're scrappy. I love it. Yeah, and big big uh, brand like Bud. Certainly picking picking a. I mean, the endorsement here is they're picking a winner in in this space at this moment. And you know, yeah. maybe it's too early to think that way, but we'll see how this this campaign turns out. And, and Bud has always been right there when it comes to the, uh, you know, this kind of uh, testing the technologies. They're not as high up there as Starbucks, for example, but uh, but maybe Bud is going to uh, going to do that. And, and I'm interested to see, like, you know, when you start to think about the analytics that come from this, what they do with that data. Um, so we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, but Bud and Blip are working for the Folds of Honor campaign to help distribute $1.5 million to needy states um, in grants and education for disabled veterans or uh, veterans' families who have uh, who've been killed in, uh, uh, in, uh, in battle. So very cool. All right, those are the first three stories. We're going to take a break here. We're going to talk to somebody that uh, that I had a great opportunity to sit down with. This is a little bit of a departure for what we typically would bring here, but it has everything to do with location. That's physical location. Uh, I'm talking about China, this opportunity that is in China. Uh, Mary Meeker just recently came out with her statistics, her state of the internet, state of mobile, uh, which I don't know about you. I've, I've gone through this quite extensively. A, a lot of ho-hum, a lot of repetitive stuff from last year. Uh, I think that it's just a, you know, a continuum of a trend. Nothing really struck me, uh, except for a couple of statistics here when we talk about the China opportunity. Right now, uh, China is is actually um, turning on more iOS and Android phones than anywhere in the world. They surpass the United States. They are activating more phones anywhere, more smartphones anywhere, especially iOS and Android. I do not think that there is another player in China right now. There is no Bata. There is no uh, BlackBerry. There is no uh, Microsoft. It is iOS and Android at this moment. Second thing that's happening is that they've surpassed in, in total devices connected to the Internet, uh, to, to the United States. They've gone, they're actually at a point where there's 224 million devices that are uh, connected to the internet in China versus 221 million in uh, in the United States. Now, what they're also projecting is that by the end of 2013, f over 500 million smartphones will be floating around inside of China. Now, this is a huge opportunity. So what what I said I sat down um, with with uh, Piyush Shah, who's the VP and GM developer platform and performance advertising for Inmobi. And what they're doing is that they're taking their analytics. They're a huge advertising platform. They're taking the analytics and offering some insight into this Chinese market. So it's location based data that is uh, giving us some insight here. And, and I had him on to talk about this opportunity. If you are an app developer, if you're in the in the app space, you're looking at China, why this is a great opportunity now to jump into uh, to China. So here is Piyush and a clip of this episode that will come eventually onto Untether.tv in a couple of weeks. So enjoy this. We're back on the other side with the final three stories. Why is it so important for these companies to be in China? Is it the population? Is it the education? Is it the consumption? What is it that makes it so important for mobile-first companies? As you said, game, game companies, communication applications, why is it so important for them to be there? So I think, I think the fundamental is very clear. As a developer, as a gaming or any of these app company, you're looking at essentially two things. You're looking at acquiring a large number of users who will engage with your application uh, in a much more loyal and, and, and frequent way, an active way. And of course, a certain proportion of the, that those users will end up helping you monetize and make a lot of money and have higher TV. So with that, with that objective in mind, uh, 
China has got all, all, all the three. So huge number of smartphone devices and tablets now increasing, as you mentioned earlier. Uh, much higher average levels of usage and consumption of their mobile device. And that's, that's understandable in terms of uh, the way the smartphone has become a much more closer device, a personal device for the Chinese uh, uh, versus an average American because uh, of the demography, of the teenage nature of China, of the fact that this is something that they've, they've catapulted themselves from the pre-pager era and directly to the smartphone era, whereas in US it actually went step by step. So all those things have happened which, may, which makes the mobile device a much more intrinsic part of the Chinese consumer or average consumer, vis-a-vis -vis an average American. That's the way we look at things. So there is huge penetration and device ownership. There is huge just sheer uh, engagement and consumption of, of, of the device. And then by the sheer demographic of the whole piece, they are all willing to uh, experiment and do a lot more with the phone in terms of figuring out apps and testing them apps and all that. And then finally, given that the market has traditionally been a very strong online uh, RPG uh, and, and all those MMORPG market, uh, the moment they see some similar such experiences on mobile and that makes it simpler for them, I think the there's an inclination, there's an intrinsic inclination to sort of start using those apps and play games and stuff like that. So I think all those add up. And then the moment uh, the whole freemium model came, where they didn't have to pay for anything, and that's where the whole uh, paid versus premium came in, it suddenly became such a large thing because all they needed was downloading apps for free, and then they could decide whether they want to, they want to pay or not. So I think all these three, four things have added up a lot, lot more. And, and, and that's why... Uh, one has to be very clear that you cannot just ignore China anymore if you're looking at a global app business where, where you have a generic app which, which can get consumers. So that's the way we look at it. And, and increasingly for a lot of global developers who work with us for China or for China, Japan, Korea, they realize that if they're not in those markets, they're pretty much losing out 40 to 50% of the opportunity. The global opportunity. The global yeah. opportunity. Hence and hence you cannot just do with being in US and Europe and figs and Nordics anymore. You got to figure out China and Japan and Korea, especially China. Well, and, and it's pretty obvious to see that when Facebook is talking about this and Google is, you know, is Google is risking being ostracized for, for being in China. And, and uh, I mean, this is very important to them because the growth for those companies, for those big companies is China, isn't it? Right now, this is this is the battlefield that they're that they're going after very aggressively, and there's already incumbents in China that are huge, that are comparable in size to Facebook, right? So, and to Twitter. Uh, so this is a this is a market that that obviously needs to be penetrated. I'm not saying that you, you know, that that's the sole reason that you go in there, but but you talk about. Um, key 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 factors in there is that i gotta hone in on a couple of these is that you know they, they they adopt the technology much better freemium is a very important piece as you as you've said and I've, I've talked to a number of companies that have gone in with that freemium model and made a lot of money as a result of this uh and you know in the early days if you wanted to get into an emerging economy uh or a growth economy like china or india for that matter i think of um lever and and they had to offer products that were you know comparable in to north american products but at a reduced price in order to be able to penetrate that market because of the disparity of income.
But with, with a freemium model and small microtransactions in local currency uh, and, and a huge volume of people that use the product, all of a sudden you're in the market and you are, you, you've adopted uh, the currency and, and are able to sell. Is that, how, how important is that? Uh, that must have been the catalyst for, for driving some of the growth of some of the early companies are there. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think there are two parts to that whole freemium thing and why it's so, why it's become such a catalyst for Chinese users to sort of uh, spend more. So one, as I earlier said, the whole propensities to sort of experiment and uh, uh, disinclination for emoticons and virtual goods and all that stuff from a culture standpoint. And that's true for both China and Korea and Japan at some level. That is one from a propensity to do much more in-app purchase behavior vis-a-vis -vis an average uh, US guy because they've just grown to uh, uh, play and share emoticons and share swords and do stuff like that. So that, that's one angle. The second angle, which is something which people, which is quite paradoxical, is the absence of Google Play, where uh, people used to think that because there's no Google Play and there's no standard method of paying in China, it is a crazy market. How will I make money? Because users have no way to pay, pay me into China. It's actually quite the reverse. I think what has happened in China is because the top five distribution platforms are the big, big app stores, uh, whether it is 360 or 91.com or Tencent's own uh, distribution platform, they are very interestingly aggregated very a range of payment methods ranging from Alibaba or Tencent's own virtual currency and all that stuff, which is already a very prevalent method of payment in the country. Many more users have been using that in general for, for online payments in that country. And it was very easy for them to gravitate for that on mobile also. So while there was an absence of Google Play and, and a standard payment method, I think because there's a much more variety of payment methods available which have been more prevalent and there's, no, there's not much notion of credit cards as such, I think that has actually led to making the whole payment of in-app purchase much more seamless and easy. And that is why uh, there is a higher notion of freemium and, and stuff like that. So I think, I think that's how we look at it. And where, where the challenge of the fragmented Android app store thing is actually a, quite a boon uh, from a user standpoint, because all these four or five guys have done a great job of ensuring that the payment process and the payment flexibility is very high. Would you say, you also yeah, mentioned- Finish off, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Sorry, you also uh, referred to the whole problem of piracy and the fact that the trust is not there. I think, I think these four or five big uh, distribution platforms have done a great job to show that they can be their trustworthy, uh, they curate the stuff, they have, they have anti-fraud and anti-piracy sort of tools to ensure that uh, the apps listed on those stores are clean and, 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 and not from fraudulent sources. So I think, I think all these problems have been sorted in, in, in their own way and hence Global developers now know that there are ways and avenues to do clean business and, and, and of course, make a lot of money. And then that's why you see a lot more action happening there uh, increasingly. And yeah, I mean, according to your own statistics, you're talking about the propensity to buy in-app purchase behavior. That uh, They say 46% of smartphone users in China have made an in-app purchase versus 37% of smartphone users in the United States. And then you extrapolate the... the large number of smartphone users and, and going forward large number of smartphone users, you can't ignore this. 
And that was Piyush Shah from Inmobi. The insight that he brings is stellar when it comes to the Chinese market. That is part of an episode that will air in a couple of weeks on untether.tv. There is a huge opportunity in China. Now, if you're interested in a little bit more information about that, there's a perfect example of this. It's a company called Game Insight. This is uh, a company that is based out of Russia that built their business in China, in the Chinese market, um, did not go to the US first, went to China first. If you're interested in that, I've just pulled it up. It's episode number 450 on untether.tv. It's uh, about the fact that, listen, there is a bigger world than the U.S. and Canada out there. And now all of a sudden we're starting to see that as a result of the information that InMobi has brought. So we thank Piyush. And uh, if you're interested in him, be sure to sign up for the Untether.tv mailing list. And you will be notified when that is available. Or, of course, you can subscribe to the podcast at any point in any of your podcasting software. Very cool. You know, we, we often think about these huge markets, Asif, and uh, everybody everybody turns our attention to the bastion, which is still the United States by far. But uh, as I, you know, as I found out when I was in Toronto last week, I was talking to uh, Rudy Dewila, who uh, is a uh, is a mobile guy in Europe uh, from App Circus, and uh, Tomia Honin, which is uh, he's from Hong Kong, and Lars, uh, who's from Hong Kong, and these guys are talking about Africa as the next piece, Africa and China as the oh. emerging economies when it comes to mobile, and obviously uh, that tide is turned for China um, when it comes to consuming uh, consuming content, consuming applications, consuming through these mobile devices. So if you're not looking at China, you're not looking at Africa, please take this advice. Go and look, go and start looking at those uh, those markets, whatever you're doing. So I thank uh, Piyush for coming on. Very cool. We jump right back into this. Yeah. All right, our fourth story. Uh, I, you know, I don't listen to the radio very often. I don't own a radio. The only radio I actually have is in my car. I don't know about you, Asif. Um, sometimes I'll uh, I'll tune into my car radio, but more often than not, I'm listening to podcasts. And I've completely jumped off of radio because podcasts give me a little bit more insight. And there are daily and um, daily episodes that give me a great summary. Like CBC is a great summary of the news. If I'm interested in that, uh, of course, there's uh, Leo's uh, this weekend or uh, technology tech news today which is a, tech, a daily tech news show that comes out once a day uh, on the on podcast. But when I do need that radio feel, I do use this application called TuneIn. And these guys raised $25 million this, this past week. And uh, I think that they're, the number one reason they raised it is expansion into the automobiles. It's a very competitive space right now to be able to offer real-time live radio in a car. Wait a second. Wait. That is where my radio is. I'm a little confused here when it comes to why they want live radio in a car when I got a radio in... Oh, I'm so confused, I see. But one of the things that the CEO of, of the radio, uh, of TuneIn said, you know, it sucks when you only go into your car and you only have to choose between 70 radio stations that are there. Uh, you know, 70 it's just not enough. It's just not enough. What do you think of this? Like, yeah. I, I use the software. I like the so, software. I, I I like this actually. So twenty five million bucks, first of all, uh, which is the is is the big part yes. of the story yeah. here for them, um, coming from uh, IVP Institutional Venture Partners, um, Sequoia Capital, Google Ventures, and General Catalyst. Uh, so some big big players involved in this deal. Um, yeah, I mean, it's as you said. It, it's you know the choice between seventy stations and seventy thousand stations uh, is what they're bringing to you. And the important thing about TuneIn is that uh, it's the ability to listen um, to, a, to, a, to a, a local radio station in any locality that you want. 
um, is really what this is all about. So, as as you you and I were you were sharing with me before we started here, you know, you're you're in uh, San Francisco and you want to listen to the ball game, you know, on the local broadcast, you can do that, right? Um, you know, you're in Toronto, but you want to listen to that 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 San Francisco broadcast, you can do that, right? So. You know, it's it's that ability to kind of listen on the conversation. For me, you know, this is the radio version, the digital radio version of what Banjo does in, in the social discovery world. It's the ability to listen to the social um, location conversation, if you will, that Banjo does uh, at any event, at any thing, at any time around the world. And the same thing here from a radio perspective. Uh, and they gave an example in the, in the release here about you know during the uh, the Boston uh, uh, events that happened recently, and and the ability for folks to not just listen to CNN, which is you know the national viewpoint of what's going on in Boston, but to listen to the local Boston radio station, no matter where you were in the world, you could you could do that if you wanted to through through a platform like TuneIn. So it's very location specific. And that's one. I like about it. Um, opportunity here, though, for these guys is really around advertising, and we've talked a lot on the show about uh, Pandora, about Spotify, and how you know all almost all the ads now that are delivered into those platforms are location specific. So if you see an ad for Home Depot, you click on it, uh, and, and uh, you know it understands where you are as a, as a listener and gives you directions on how to get to the closest Home Depot to redeem. So uh, you know, that's something TuneIn has not been doing yet. Um, uh, and the ability to tie that into the car, maybe in connection with platforms like Roximity, and uh, I think there's a huge opportunity here, and hopefully that's where they're going to get some of the 25 million bits to grow the advertising uh, piece of this. Yeah, I would I would agree with you on on certainly the huge opportunity when it comes to playing ads, location based ads, and and you know as you said, I mean when I was in Lake Placid, I wanted to listen to the hockey game, uh, the Ottawa broadcast of the hockey game back when the Senators were in the playoffs, and this was exactly what I used it for. It was perfect when I want my my a glimpse of what's going on in the in the news in my city. I use this. Uh, it requires a lot of density, right? Um, and it requires a lot of salespeople selling locally because uh, right now when I boot up TuneIn Radio, it just says welcome to TuneIn Radio. There's no, there's no, maybe there's not an awareness now around this, but there are no ads yet for, for the Canadian market. Yeah. And, um, and so I think that the, this will eventually happen. Um, but I like this. I, I like TuneIn and everybody I talk to uses TuneIn uh, for that reason. Uh, the interface is a little kludgy, uh, you know, it, it needs a little bit of better uh, discovery, but I think that that's what comes in, you know, as well for this, uh, with this 20, $25 million. I just thought it was so sh shocking, though, that the CEO would say, you know, there's 70 channels on your radio, that's all you get. And I'm like, well, you know what, how many more do you need, really? Like, <laughs> I only listen to three radio stations at most. But, but it is the 70 that you want, Rob. That, that's the question. Well, you know, I, I mean, I just need I just need Springsteen. You know, it, it's got to be like... Uh, like Cable TV uh, package where you choose the channels you want in the package, right? Well, there there is something to be said about that, but uh, you you know the idea that uh, the idea that they're going into the car that's great. The idea that they're enhancing local uh, local advertising ability to to do that that's great. And and um, but I also think of uh, competitors like Songza in this space and audio yep. and these guys that are on demand radio that you want or music that you want at that exact moment that you want it. Like if I want to listen to Journey right now, I can flip it on and find Journey right now. I don't have to go through the process of finding a radio station sure. that plays it. And I think that there's, there's out of convenience, you've got your own music list. 
right, which is at the high end, which is unmonetizable unless you buy the music. Then you've got, um, then RDO has every song ever created that you have at your fingerprint, at, at your fingertips, and it is a, a subscription, a $5 a month subscription. And then you've got Songza, which is like genres, like, hey, music of, of, uh, of Journey. And then it's different types of music around that based on licensing requirements. And then you've got something like uh, TuneIn, which is hey, radio stations, specific radio stations. So you like rock, you like pop, you like top 40, you like grunge, you like talk, you, you, you've got all of these, you know, that's fourth on the list, right, for convenience. So one yeah. is not random, two is not random, three is a little bit random, but something that's like in four, like tune in is completely random. So where's the monetization capabilities? I, it, it's advertising. But again, yeah. radio right now is suffering, right? Advertising and radio is suffering and in decline because of companies like Songza and because of uh, RDO. Uh, so I wonder if this is at all you know, if, if this is a if this is a sustainable business model, and and, and we'll have to wait and see. Uh, that's just that's just my assessment. That's my rant. There you go. But congrats to those guys. Yeah, I have to apologize. Uh, we're having some challenges with bandwidth, as you see, uh, Steve coming uh, coming in and out, and the audio is a little bit choppy. But we've been we've been fighting this all morning. We're going to continue down this path, and uh, so uh, you know what a Steve looks like, and it's going to be a little blocky. And if you're listening <laughs> to this, that's why yeah. it's a lot of interference. And it doesn't get any better, folks. And yeah. <laughs> Bandwidth will not improve uh, my looks. It's, it's like you're always like this is how Asif is. He's just a he's a a, a blotchy guy that walks around where you you can't see yeah. his eyes. So if you're listening to this, uh, maybe you should tune in to see what Asif looks like with uh, with constrained <laughs> bandwidth. Yeah. So our next story this this is uh, one that I'm really uh, I'm really uh, fond of. Uh, it's called iPorit uh, is the name of the company and. Uh, They've basically developed a self-serve RFID beer kiosk, okay? So the idea here, what they're going after is, is we've all been in that bar, in that restaurant, uh, hanging out with a big group of people, and there's like two people behind the bar serving and, you know, 300 people waiting to be served, and you just can't, uh, you just can't get their attention. It takes forever to get, you know, get your, your beer. Uh, so the solution that these guys have come up with is uh, when you when you come into the bar, you get an RFID wristband uh, with uh, that's you know unique to you, and uh, you go up to these kiosk things that uh, recognize the RFID wristband and uh, pour your beer for you and bill you and share that uh, information on your social networks. And I like this. This this is really interesting. This is, uh, you know, you think about the implications of something like this. It's very simple. And, you know, we I, I've been to restaurants often where they have the, you know, they'll have a wine dispensing system at the table where you, yeah. you, you know, you just choose your wine and it dispenses the four ounces or whatever you get in a glass of wine. And then it goes to your bill. And I like that. Um, but this is this is a, 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 an invention whose time has come, shall we say. Simply put mm -hmm. is that the the you can the bars can regulate how much you consume based on your age and your weight, right? So it, I, you, you start to think about this is that um, your height and your weight is what, uh, not age, but your height and your weight. Age has a lot to do with it. I could certainly drink a lot more when I was 19 than I am when, than I can when I was 43. I haven't conditioned myself enough, obviously. But when you start to think about that, is that you can you can actually know when your limit is. You can stop, right? And and you can affix people. Everybody should get one of these when they walk into a bar, right? So it's like you are the designated driver. We will never be able to dispense a single drop of alcohol to you. So every time you try, it'll be like, mm -hmm. no, you're the designated driver. No, you're the designated driver. Not that you need that if, if you're the designated driver, but it's always that incentive. 
Um, but it stops pouring when they feel like, based on your body mass, you've had too much in too short, too little period of time. So I, I, I think this is a very cool time. Um, once it ties into uh, payment mechanisms, so you don't have to do your credit card, because that's the, the the second biggest pain. The first is getting the attention yeah. and getting a drink. The second is getting their attention to pay. So if I could just automatically do this, like the Midas touch, put my hand in there. It, you know, uh, get my beer and it automatically uh, either debit my account or create the tab and then I can, you know, just touch that band again to to pay out, whatever it might be. I think this is a very cool, cool, cool technology. The biggest thing, though, I see here is the data that it collects. Yes. Oh, my God. Like Beergram as well. We talked about Beergram many times mm -hmm. before. But their money is in the data that they collect about trending beer trends and microbrewery beer trends and and watching it happen is you know there's a popular beer on the east coast and and then you can make sure you have enough on the west coast as that arrives and you can be at the forefront of beer the beer trends and i think these are the coolest things data yeah yeah and the interesting thing i was as i was reading more into this i was um you know, looking at sort of the value proposition for putting these these kinds of systems in, and they were talking about the you know the revenue model for iPort is they take one cent for every ounce of beer that's poured, um, which isn't a lot of money, but but what they said was is it, it's about the accuracy of, of you know pouring the exact amount of beer that should be poured, right? Uh, because apparently, uh, uh, on an average, more than twenty percent of every keg is typically lost to overpour. Uh, so, so you think about that, and you and you think about you know the savings that you can you know see from a system like this with accurate pour, and combine that with all the data that you're gathering on loyalty and social and you know and who and and how much and all of that. Uh, you know, th there's a lot going on here. So I I love this. Yeah, lots going on there. Like you know, it's worth a one penny an ounce, right? Yeah, totally. So uh, th this is this is something that we're gonna we've got to start to see. I mean, they, they talk about it. I think that the the video that we, we rolled at the beginning, they talk about the you know the cost reduction and and you know you don't need staff. And I don't think that that's the right message. You know, just from a marketing message, don't don't yeah. use that. Cutting staff is never a good message, especially. Hey, look. I mean, we all know, like you know, at least when we were younger, Rob, we we, we go to certain places because you know there's a certain attractiveness to the staff in the place. Yes, right? there's an appeal. So that's important, right? Machines I mean, not. You can't get rid of that. No, so. like the, you're not gonna. Like there is a there is a, a reason why people go to these places. And and uh, like, can you imagine? It's like Coyote Ugly with uh, with just you know beer machines. Like it's not gonna work. So y yeah. you never market by saying, listen, we're gonna help you cut your staff and reduce your costs. It's more about spillage, overage, um, over over pouring, not collecting. Like whether you like yeah. it or not. Um, a lot of people pad their pockets in restaurants based on pouring beers, putting the cash in their pocket. And quite frankly, tell. look, if I don't have to wait in line for 15 minutes to get a beer, yep. right, um, the chances of me, you know, having more beers while I'm there is is Pretty quite high, high right? Yeah. Right. So, you know, you're going to sell more in the end. Yeah, this is this is very cool. I, I like all of this, and it's in the nascent space. And I've seen it, uh, you know, in a couple of bars, but I like this idea of the RFID bracelet um, based on weight and height. And uh, and it allow you to consume, and then there's always the override, right? Just which is something that the managers now will have even more power, right? The override. Mm -hmm. So I pour it. You go to ipourit.com. Buy the ounce. B U Y the ounce. I like it. All right, our last story here. Um, good good friends at Esri trying to commercialize or at least get into the developer game, leverage their data or help developers leverage their data. This is, this is an interesting first foray, something called Fish Alerts, Asif. 
Yeah, and, and I'm a big fisherman. Uh, Are you really? I, lo- I, lo- I love being. Yeah, totally. Seriously? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that. So uh, yeah, no, that's uh, that's one of the one of my few things that uh, to kind of uh, get out of the uh, the world of uh, of mobile and tech and uh, just be in the middle of nowhere is is just to go fishing. So and now you can use Esri and tech to help you with your fishing. It's even yeah. Ugh. There you go. Yeah. So so this this is an app uh, developed by a group called Great Outdoors Mobile. Using Esri's uh, Esri's data sets, um, you know, and uh, you know, it, it pulls together live data on you know protected marine areas, weather, you know, the tides, you know, based on GPS, you know, so, so just putting all that data data together into a thing called Fish Alerts, um, and it's all about telling you where you can can't fish. I mean, which is which is great because. You know, the worst thing that can happen when you're out fishing is 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 to be, you know, is to take that boat into an area that, you know, you think is a great spot, but it's it's actually a protected spot, and you didn't know that. And then you know, along comes the, uh, you know, the uh, the police, and they're like, uh, you know, it's a violation. We're taking your boat. We're taking your car. We're taking everything, and and you're done, right? It, it goes from a very positive, relaxing experience to a very uh, <laughs> negative, stressful one. So. Well, and this is, I mean, I think from a big, uh, you know, business practice, this is what Esri should be doing. Uh, you know, very early on when, when we were wondering where the big guys were, where Esri was, um, you know, and, and Foursquare was trying to recreate the, the data location database that, uh, or the location database that, that Esri has already. There's, there's just, you know, there's, there's no comparison between the data that, that the new companies are collecting versus what Esri has in, in legacy data and, and the depth of data. And I think that it's good that these guys are starting to get into this. They have to be getting this. They're data into applications it's it's a it's a way it's it, it can be their their lifeline their blood right so this is a, a an interesting example of one um but it just shows you the diversity of the data that esri has so if you haven't looked at esri right now like if you haven't thought about them as a data provider um yeah i, I don't know what the the fees are now i think that that's one of the biggest challenges for small startups is that foursquare opens up their api for free and if esri knew what they were doing if every esri thought about this they, maybe they would open a subset for free and and uh and then when you got to a certain level start charging for it so maybe there's opportunities and, and, there. and there's probably no richer source of you know um mapping gis no. data out there than than what esri's got so yeah. you know I, I uh you know i look forward to more of this kind of stuff happening uh, leveraging uh in their data set so. so if you're a fisher like a C, if you can go to fishalerts.com and or you can just uh, check the uh, app store for Fish Alerts, the app, and um, and make sure that you don't get everything impounded and stranded in the middle of a lake swimming to the shore um, when you're just going out there to try to relax and fish. Yeah. Fish Alerts. Just, just, just make sure if you're out there fishing okay, and you're on a boat, don't install an iPort system. Okay. That, <laughs> exactly. that, that will get you in trouble, right? There. You know what? One of the things, one of the things that I read in that iPort story was uh, was that there's this portable version of it that you can bring out to patios. So you know, yeah. I you know, I think that the the infrastructure, I, I you know, it, it, the tube has to end in a in a keg somewhere. So I you know, uh, as long as you can uh, yeah. float the kegs behind you in the boat, I believe that it'll keep it cool enough and and uh, you yeah. can pour enough. Those are the six stories we made it through. Bandwidth constraints aside. Uh, we made it through those six stories and our special guest, which is Piyush Shah. We have one last thing to share with you, a Canadian perspective on mobile and mobile advertising brought on by eMarketer. This is our resource of the week. Asif? Yeah, so this is a new report called Canada Mobile Advertisers Trail Users Uptake of Mobile. Uh, just came out a few weeks back now. Uh, Paul Briggs uh, is the guy who uh, who led this effort. So he's uh, basically eMarketer Canada now. 
Um, I uh, contributed to this, as did a number of uh, you know very very uh, well uh, reputed folks here in Canada, uh, from brands, from companies like Plastic Mobile, Multi One. Uh, the mobile experience company, uh, Juice Mobile, uh, quite a few. Uh, uh, my good buddy Ray Reed over at uh, Ogilvy, Neil uh, Ogilvy also uh, contributed to this. So, uh, lots of great stuff going on here. There's a section uh, towards the end uh, called Mobile Campaigns, Adding Apps and Leveraging Location uh, with some data uh, there that uh, I think might be useful. So, if, if you're in the Canadian market specifically, uh, this is a report you might want to check out. So, again, it's from eMarketer. So, you can just go to eMarketer and look for Canada Mobile. And is this? Are you going to put this up on uh, on the LBMA website if, if possible, or is it? Uh... Yeah, I just need to check whether we have permission to share uh, or, or not on that. But uh, yeah, it, it, it likely will be there. It's it's uh, you know I don't think it's a surprise that that, that Canada lags behind in, in this kind of thing. I mean I, you know it, it's a flip because we're we're I think our media and our advertisers are very conservative when it comes to doing anything that's out of the norm, out of the ordinary. And I've spoken to when I did a lot of work with Post Media and national organization, nas our national media company, uh, print print media, um, is that when I went in and talked to their clients or their customers, their advertisers, they were hesitant to do anything on, on mobile because they said, you know, the number one reason what the challenge was when they went to the websites, uh, they never saw their banner ad, right? And, uh, you know, so they, it was hard to justify it. So when they opened up the newspaper, they saw their ad, right? It was unmistakable. And mm -hmm. they said when they put an ad in the newspaper, it drove people in the store. And when they put an ad on on, uh, on the website, uh, there was no clear measurement because they, they never saw it or they, they didn't see it. It was the number one complaint that I heard over and over and over again. So I think that there is a conservative nature to the Canadian advertiser. Um, but what's surprising is that, listen, you know, we are in an age where, uh, you know, two thirds of the Canadian population uses mobile devices. Uh, we consume all of our content through mobile devices. Uh, the more affluent, that great age, I talked to um, Tom Hearn from The Score, which is a, uh, you know, a, yep. a, um, a Toronto-based company, a sports-based sports company, uh, sports news company. And they said, you know, th their biggest challenge right now is they just jettisoned the television station in order to be able to focus on mobile because that's where the 18 to 35 year old buyer is. Um, so the, it's you know on one side from a Canadian standpoint we're we're looked at as conservative, and uh, so it, it lines up very well. But on, on the other side we are so digitally savvy it drives me crazy that we're mm -hmm. we're behind. we could be a leading nation if we just took a little bit of risk right. Uh, this is this is what we need to do and and so when I see reports like this it's like all it does is is cement the fact that we we are a little bit behind everyone else and that's not good. I do not like that. Um, so maybe this will be the I don't know the spark that that lights things up for us to. to to really jump in and, and get these advertisers uh, involved in the mobile space, certainly location. So emarketer.com, the Canada report, and uh, hopefully on the lbma.com forward slash research. Whew, I see, right. you know, everyone, like every once in a while, like there are things that conspire against us in this technology. And, it, and it's like some episodes are like pushing this boulder uphill. Doesn't it feel like, you know, and when, there's been a lot of challenges today for sure. And we get through it and we're like, oh, okay. And now, and now the bandwidth is pure and clean and pristine, and I see you and your voice is coming over perfectly. It drives me crazy. All right. Um, 
Look, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Uh, this has been episode number 132. We'll be back with episode number 133 next week. Uh, wherever you are, if you decide that you enjoy this, you made it this far, you made it through this episode like we have, I think it deserves a like. It deserves a five-star review on whatever podcasting software you are using. It is our currency. Please do so if you actually appreciate this stuff that we bring to you. If you don't, stop listening, right? Don't waste your time with us. Um, you're either going to review us or you're not. So enjoy it. Give us a review. If you don't enjoy it, unsubscribe, you know, and go and listen to something else. Uh, that, that's pretty much cut and dry for the way that I feel. If you if you enjoy it, let us know either by Twitter or by email or by just giving us a, a review on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, and I certainly hope that uh, you do so, yep. find some value in this. Um, and, and if you are a big fan and you like this and you're a company out there and, and, and you'd like to... Uh use this platform uh you know we've got thousands of great people that uh, listen and watch this every week and we appreciate every single one of them but uh if you're interested uh in sponsoring this uh this show we we'd certainly be open to that uh we've had some great sponsors on here in the past and and we look forward to uh some new ones uh going forward here in the future as well all right let's end this before uh bandwidth cuts out one last time we will see you guys next week for episode number 133 thank you for tuning in thank you for being patient We'll see you next week. Have a safe one. Asif, enjoy San Francisco. Say hi to the warm weather. Thanks, buddy. Oh, fuck. Now I'm, I'm confusing myself. <laughs> Let me start that over again. <laughs> okay. Go.